السلام علیکم و رحمۃ اللہ وبرکاتہ نحمد الکریم اما بعد فاعوذ باللہ من الشیطان الرجیم بسم اللہ الرحمن الرحیم ربش رحلی صدری ویسر لی امری وحل العقدتم اللسانی یفقه قولی ربنا زدنا علما باب ظلم دون ظلم ظلم انجسٹس انجسٹس در از دون ظلمن جسٹ ایز کفر واز دون کفر جسٹ ایز دیر از میجر کفر اینڈ مائنر کفر سملرلی وی ہیو ظلم دیر از لیسر دین ایکچوئل ظلم سو یو ہیو میجر ظلم ایز ویل ایز مائنر ظلم اوور ہیئر امام بخاری از مینشننگ مائنر ظلم وائی وائی ظلم ان کتاب المان وائی ڈو یو تھنک سو یس ویری ٹرو دیٹ ان شرک لظلم عظیم شرک از اے کائنڈ آف ظلم And shirk is what contradicts iman. When a person commits shirk, he's out of iman. He does not have iman anymore. So this is why it's important to know what zulm is also in order to completely and fully understand what iman is. And primarily, why is it necessary to understand lesser zulm or minor zulm? Because in the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, as Imam Bukhari will mention later, that we will read, that الَّذِينَ آمَنُوا وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِمَانَهُمْ بِظُلْمٍ They don't mix zulm with iman. So what does this zulm refer to? This shows that there are levels of zulm. So this is what Imam Bukhari is pointing out over here. And also, because zulm is like kufr. Previously, Imam Bukhari mentioned kufr. And now he's mentioning zulm. We learn in Surah Al-Ma'idah, ayat 44 to 47, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, وَمَن لَمْ يَحْكُمْ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الْكَافِرُونَ That those who do not judge according to what Allah has legislated, then such people are what? Kafirun. In the next verse, at the conclusion, Allah says, وَمَن لَمْ يَحْكُمْ بِمَا أَنزَلَ اللَّهُ فَأُولَٰئِكَ هُمُ الظَّالِمُونَ So kufr and zulm are similar in nature. They both contradict iman. So after clarifying kufr, now he clarifies zulm. That there is major zulm as well as minor zulm. And this is just like iman has levels, kufr has levels. Similarly, zulm also has levels. There is major zulm as well as minor. حدثنا أبو الوليد قال حدثنا شعبة حاء قال وحدثني بشر قال حدثنا محمد عن شعبة عن سليمان عن إبراهيم عن علقمة عن عبد الله قال he said that لما نزلت when it was revealed. What was revealed? The verse, the ayah. الذين آمنوا those people who believe ولم يلبسوا إيمانهم بظلم and they do not mix their iman with injustice so when this ayah was revealed قال أصحاب رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم the companions of the messenger of Allah صلى الله عليه وسلم they said أينا which of us who amongst us لم يظلم does not commit ظلم meaning every single one of us does ظلم Because remember the zulm is what? Injustice. To place something where it does not belong. And we know that no matter how much we strive, we end up committing zulm here and there, even unintentionally. Isn't it so? So when this verse was revealed that with iman you're not to mix zulm, the sahaba got extremely worried that which of us does not commit zulm, meaning every one of us does that. So then, فَأَنزَلَ اللَّهُ So Allah revealed, إِنَّ الشِّرْكَ لَظُلْمٌ عَظِيمٌ That indeed shirk is the greatest injustice. So basically in this ayah, what does ظلم refer to? Shirk. Because minor injustices, these are something that 
people perform just out of their weakness, just because they're human beings. It doesn't mean they're okay, but they do fall short because they're human beings. So in the ayah, what is meant by zulm is shirk. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clarified that. So this shows to us that there are different levels of injustice and the greatest one is of shirk. Why? Because it is such injustice that is committed against who? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's haqq is the greatest. Therefore, when a person commits any injustice against him, that injustice would also be the greatest. And we learned the Prophet ﷺ, he was asked that which sin was the greatest. And he said, أَنْتَجْعَلَ لِلَّهِ نِدًّا وَهُوَ خَلَقَكَ Which sin is the greatest? That you set a partner to Allah while He is the one who created you. He alone created you. And instead of worshipping Him alone, you ascribe partners to Him. That is the greatest injustice. And this hadith, it clarifies to us that major injustice is zulm. And then there are lesser injustices as well. So there are kaba'ir zulm as well as sagha'ir. And within the sagha'ir also, there are different levels. For example, if a person commits zulm against his parents, as opposed to zulm against his colleague, what is worse? Against the parents. Isn't it so? So within the sagha'ir also, there are levels. And we see that shirk is a crime that is not acceptable at all. It is unforgivable. But we see that other sins, other zulm, are they forgivable? Yes, they are. Why? How? When a person seeks forgiveness, when a person performs good deeds, or even if a person comes guilty on the Day of Judgment, what does Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? That, إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَغْفِرُ أَنْ يُشْرَكَ بِهِ وَيَغْفِرُ مَا دُونَ ذَلِكَ لِمَنْ يَشَاءُ If Allah wills, He can forgive whatever is less than shirk. But shirk is something that is unforgivable. So zulm, duna zulm. Next, باب علامة المنافق Alama, sign. Sign of who? Al-Munafiq, the hypocrite. So signs of the hypocrite. After mentioning kufr, he mentions zulm, and now he mentions nifaq. The word munafiq is what kind of a noun? Ism? Fa'il. Munafiq is one who has nifaq. And this is derived from the word nafiqa. And nafiqa, what is it? Hmm? A mouse, right? That lives in the desert. And that makes its underground house in such a way that it has a secret entrance to it. A secret entrance. And that secret entrance is also a secret exit. So when it's in danger, when the danger is in the tunnel, in the house, in the underground house, what does that mouse do? It just escapes through that secret exit. And such are the munafiq. That they deceive. Just as this mouse also deceives the animal that is trying to catch it. So it goes into the tunnel. The predator goes after it and then it escapes. So similarly, the munafiq, what does he do? يُخَادِعُونَ اللَّهَ وَالَّذِينَ آمَنُوا They also deceive. So munafiq is who? The one who deceives. Now, the word munafiq as a term was something that was unknown before Islam. It was something that was unknown before Islam. And also if you think about it, the Arabs, their morals, their values, they had some very good morals and values. And amongst the morals and values that they had was truthfulness and honesty, trustworthiness, deception, lying, cheating was something that they did not like at all. It was something considered very, very bad and lowly. People who were noble, and nobility was a big thing in Arab society, people who were noble would not commit such crimes. So anyway, the term munafiq was something that was unknown. Now remember that just as 
Kufr has levels, Zulm has levels, Nifaq also has levels. Or it has different types. One type of Nifaq is Amali. That which is an action. So a person performs the actions of hypocrites. And another type of Nifaq is Aqdi. Meaning it is in Aqidah. That a person is actually a disbeliever in heart. And he knows that. But he's just pretending that he is a believer. That he's just showing that he is a believer. So nifaq can be in aqidah and it can also be in amal. So over here, Imam Bukhari is mentioning signs of nifaq. Why? To show that nifaq can also be in amal. It doesn't mean that just because a person is performing the actions of a hypocrite, he is in reality a hypocrite and he's not a believer. That just as iman increases and decreases, if a person is not doing one of the actions that, that show iman, that doesn't mean that he is a kafir. Alright? Because iman increases and decreases. There are levels of kufr, there are levels of zulm. So similarly, nifaq is also of different types. Haddathana Sulaiman Abir Rabi'i. Qala haddathana Ismail ibn Ja'farin. Qala haddathana Nafi ibn Malik ibn Abi Amirin Abu Suhailin. An abihi. عن أبي هريرة عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال آية المنافق ثلاث آية sign remember the word آية what does it mean verse of the Quran as well as sign as well as miracle it also means miracle so آية المنافق over here it means sign the sign of a منافق what are they ثلاث three إذا when حدث he narrates حدث يحدث Tahdith, to narrate, to talk about something. وَأَمَّا بِنِعْمَةِ رَبِّكَ فَحَدِّثْ Talk about it. Hmm? Hadith, speech. Or that which is narrated about the Prophet ﷺ, whether it is his words or his actions or his circumstances. So إِذَا حَدَّثَ When he narrates, when he talks, what does he do? كَذَبَ He lies. وَإِذَا And when وَعَدَ He makes a promise. أَخْلَفَ He goes against it. خِلَاف To break it. So, أَخْلَفَ وَإِذَا And when? أُؤْتُمِنَ He is entrusted. He is given an amana. What does he do? خَانَ He is treacherous. So, these are the three signs of a hypocrite. So, the one who is a munafiq, he has these signs. However, the following hadith also clarifies that a believer may also have these traits. Why? Due to weakness of iman. Not because he has nifaq in his aqidah, but because of the weakness of his iman. So this hadith that we have just read, and the following hadith must be understood together. The following hadith is, حدثنا قبيصة بن عقبة قال حدثنا سفيان عن الأعمش عن عبد الله بن مرغة عن مسروق عن عبد الله بن عمر أن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال أربع four meaning four qualities four خصال Man kunna, whoever they are, fihi in him. Four qualities, whoever they are in, kana munafiqan khalisan. Kana he is munafiq, a hypocrite, khalisan, pure. Meaning he is a pure hypocrite. Whoever has all of these four qualities in him, then what is he? A pure hypocrite. Waman kanat, and whoever it was, fihi in him, khaslatun minhunna. One quality from them. If he has one of those traits, then kanat fihi, there is in him khaslatun min nifaqi A trait, a characteristic of what? Hypocrisy. 
until he leaves it. So whoever has all of these traits, then what is he? A pure hypocrite. But if a person has one, then what does he have? A trait of hypocrisy until he leaves it. What are they? First of all, إِذَا تُمِنَ khana. When he is entrusted, then he betrays. وَإِذَا حَدَّثَ كَذَبَ When he speaks, when he talks, then he lies. وَإِذَا عَاهَدَ غَدَرَ And when he makes a promise, غَدَرَ He is deceitful, he is treacherous, meaning he breaks the promise. وَإِذَا خَاصَمَ خَاصَمَ What does خَاصَمَ mean? To dispute, to argue. So when he disputes, فَجَرَ He is sinful. Remember what fujur means? What does it mean? To commit sin, right? Fajir, sinful. So وَإِذَا خَاصَمَ فَجَرَ Now in this hadith, an additional trait has been mentioned that was not mentioned in the previous one. Which one is that? وَإِذَا خَاصَمَ فَجَرَ But there is one that is mentioned slightly differently, which is وَإِذَا عَاهَدَ غَدَرَ And in the previous one it is mentioned إِذَا وَعَدَ أَخْلَفَ Because essentially they are the same thing. Making a promise, breaking it, going against it, proving treacherous, it's the same thing. So there is one additional trait over here. So both of these ahadith, what do they show? That these four are the signs of hypocrisy. That these actions, what are they? Nifaq in amal. These actions, what are they? Nifaq in amal. But when a person has all of these actions, when a person has all of these signs combined in him, then what does that show? That there is nifaq where? In their aqidah as well. That there is a problem in the heart as well. So these qualities, all of them together are found where? In a munafiq aqdi. In a person who is munafiq in his aqidah. But one or two may be found in who? In who? A person who has nifaq in his amal only. And this shows that nifaq also has levels. Isn't it? Definitely there are types, but there are also levels. How? That the more a person does these actions, the more nifaq he has. And the less he does it, the less nifaq he has. What are these qualities? Let's look at them. First of all, we'll go by the second hadith. إِذَا تُمِنَ khana. When he's given an amana, he is treacherous. What kind of amana, amanat are included in this? All types of amanat. Any kind of trust, whether it is something tangible or intangible. Whether it is mal, property, wealth. So for example, a person gives to another his property to look after for some time. Even if it's a book or a bag. Hmm? Even if it's something small or big. Anything, no matter what it is. Amanah is what? Something that has been deposited with you, that you look after it. You take care of it. Similarly, amana includes a secret that is shared with someone. That you share a secret with someone and you tell them, look, this is something private between us. This is confidential between us. Then, amana means that you don't tell other people about it. You respect the secret that has been shared with you. You keep it in confidence. You don't go on sharing with other people. Similarly, amana includes a responsibility that has been given. A task that has been, that has been given to a person. He has been appointed to perform that task. So when he has been appointed to perform that task, what does it mean? He should perform it properly. And if he doesn't, then that is khiyana. So doing khiyana is what? An action of hypocrisy. Secondly, إِذَا حَدَّثَ كَذَبَ 
When he speaks, he lies. And what is lying? What is kadib? To say that which contradicts the reality. To say that which contradicts the reality. So, إِذَا حَدَّثَ كَذَبَ To inform of that, to say that which is in fact not true, which is false, which contradicts reality. Thirdly, إِذَا عَاهَدَ غَدَرَ Or, إِذَا وَعَدَ أَخْلَفَ Meaning when he promises another, he is treacherous. And this means, this includes all of the promises that a person makes. All of the commitments, all of the promises that a person makes. Whether it is an official contract in which you say, yes, I swear, I promise that I will do such and such, an official contract, or it is that a person is just giving his word. So, إِذَا عَاهَدَ إِذَا وَعَدَ This includes every kind of word and every kind of ahd. And this includes promises that a person makes even with non-Muslims. Not just with other believers, but even with non-Muslims. What have we been told to do? To keep the promise. Do not be treacherous. To the point that even if, for example, a peace treaty has been made between Muslims and non-Muslims until a specified time, then what have we been told to do? That respect it until the end of the term. Which means that no such activities will be done which contradict peace. Remember once, Imam Amir Muawiyah, he had a treaty, peace treaty with some non-Muslims, and that meant that no wars. But right before the treaty was about to end, he started collecting his forces at the border. So that as soon as the treaty ends, we will attack. But then he was told not to do so. Why? Because as long as the term, as the peace treaty is in effect, that means you don't do anything that contradicts it. So you cannot use that time to prepare to attack them. So, إِذَا عَاهَدَ غَدَرَ إِذَا وَعَدَ أَخْلَفَ And the fourth characteristic is, إِذَا خَاصَمَ فَجَرَ When he argues, then he is sinful. What does it mean by khasama? You have learned in the Qur'an about the different words that are used for disputes, arguments. What kind of an argument is this? Khisam. What kind of a dispute is this? For what purpose? In defense of your rights or in claim of your rights. That you're claiming something. That you're claiming that this is mine. It's my right. It's my turn. It could be at a very small level. It could be also at a major level. So in defense or in claim of one's rights. So إِذَا خَاصَمَ fajara, He is sinful. What does it mean by this? That when he comes to defending himself, defending his rights, advertising his rights, right, fighting for them, claiming them, then he becomes sinful. And sinful would mean that, for example, he becomes abusive in his language. He could tell another person very nicely, it's my turn. Or he could say it in a very harsh manner, get away from here, and this is not right, and why are you always here? Move out of my way. You could be very harsh, and you could also be very gentle. Isn't it? But the munafiq, what does he do? Whenever he's fighting for his rights, claiming his rights, he becomes abusive. He becomes sinful. Similarly, fujur over here can also mean, like for example, denying what is wajib on a person, and demanding what is not his own right. So for example, if something is mandatory on you, you are required to do something. You refuse to do it. That no, I'm not going to do it. Why should I do it? Or you don't have a right to something, but you demand that it be given to you. Okay, whether it is some property or it is a turn to do something, anything. So, إِذَا خَاصَمَ fajra, Meaning he goes against the laws of the deen. The Prophet ﷺ said that مَنْ حَلَفَ عَلَى يَمِينٍ هُوَ فِيهَا فَاجِرٌ لِيَقْتَطِعَ بِهَا مَالِ مْرِئٍ مُسْلِمٍ لَقِيَ اللَّهَ وَهُوَ عَلَيْهِ غَضْبَانٍ 
that a person who swears an oath, and this oath is false. Why? So that he can take a portion of another believer, of his wealth, of his property. So he swears that yes, this property belongs to me. That yes, I swear that this is my right. Whereas in reality it isn't. And he gets it. Then he will meet Allah while Allah is angry with him. So this is of hypocrisy. That إِذَا خَاصَمَ fajara. Now the purpose of mentioning these traits is what? To warn us. To warn us. Because if you think about it, life or you can say our interactions with other people, they are, they can be summarized into these four things. How? Either an amana is given to us, or we're talking to other people, or we're making a promise, we're giving our word, or there's an argument. Isn't it so? Mu'amalat can be in a way summarized in these four points. So, a hypocrite, a munafiq is the one who proves treacherous, who lies, who cheats, who deceives, who is abusive, demands what is not his right, but a believer will not do that. So it is of hypocrisy to do this, and it is of iman to do otherwise. Habitually, or you know, doing it a lot, or doing all of these things, of course, that is of hypocrisy. It could be both. For إِذَا خَاصَمَ fajra, it could be that, for example, a person is demanding his own right, but in the way that he's demanding it, he's very abusive, very rude, very harsh. Because remember the hadith that two things cannot be found in a munafiq. What? Fiqhun fiddin and also good manners. Good manners and understanding of religion are not in a hypocrite. So a hypocrite does not have good manners, which is why when he's demanding something, it shows. Similarly, إِذَا خَاصَمَ fajra, This also includes that a person demands what is not his right. Or that he refuses to do what is his responsibility. He refuses to do what is his responsibility. So, إِذَا خَاصَمَ fajra. So, the purpose of mentioning these traits is to warn us that we should become very careful in our interactions with other people, those who are close to us, those who are far from us, those whom we interact with once or twice or more times, how many ever times we interact with other people, we should become careful. Because we might say, oh, it's okay, I just deceived this one time. Oh, it's okay, I was very abusive this one time. It's not my habit. Munafiq is the one who does all of these things consistently. But the fact is that if a person does one thing once, then he's able to do it again. Until it becomes a habit, until it becomes a part of him, until that is how he is identified. So you see how it grows? Hypocrisy only grows, it increases. So similarly, these bad habits also, habits of hypocrisy, they grow. This is why the Prophet said that whoever has one of these traits, then he has a trait of hypocrisy. Until he yada'aha, until he leaves it completely. So we have to leave these bad manners, whether it is being abusive or harsh or rude or any of the traits that are mentioned over here. That where zulm has levels, it is of different types. A person may be performing minor zulm as well. And if a person is reminded that, look, this is zulm, then don't get offended. But we should also be careful that don't start calling people zalim and every other thing. That you put the book over here, what zulm? Hmm? You put the... You know, the bottle over there, you're doing zulm. Okay, yeah, in a way it is. But please don't make people feel so horrible and guilty about themselves for little, little things that they could do wrong. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, I was saying is we should teach our kids by doing it by ourselves. Like if we promise to give them treat, we should give them. Of course. If we shouldn't be lying to them. So they can learn that way, inshallah. Yes, because these habits are developed. 
Like, إِذَا حَدَّثَ كَذَبَ Like, إِذَا gives a meaning of always. Whenever he does this, you know, he lies. Whenever he speaks, he lies. Whenever he is given an amana, he betrays. So, it's a habit that has been developed over time. And especially with children, we have to be careful because whatever we show, that is what they will do. Of course, injustice on other people, that will be forgiven when other people forgive you. It's not any injustice. The thing is that if a person has committed zulm on other people, and he comes on the Day of Judgment with injustice against other people then, in his record, then what will happen? What do we learn? That a person's good deeds will be given to them, and their sins will be given to him if the accounts still need to be fixed. Isn't it so? But we see that on the Day of Judgment there is also shifara. Then there is also Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's forgiveness. There are so many other ways through which a person could be forgiven and eventually entered into paradise. But if a person comes with shirk, will shifara work? No. Will any punishment cleanse him? No. Exactly. That a person, if he has even the slightest amount of iman in his heart, eventually he will be taken out. But if a person has committed shirk, then that completely nullifies that. When we learn about these characteristics and these traits, then we should always reflect on ourselves that the Sahaba, when they heard about the ayah, وَلَمْ يَلْبِسُوا إِمَانَهُمْ بِظُلْمٍ They got worried. And they were honest that which of us does not do zulm, Meaning all of us do it. They recognize their shortcomings. They really critically analyze their behaviors and their actions and their statements. Which is why they were able to improve so much. If we turn a blind eye to our own selves, then we can never improve. I remember, I realized that how applicable this is to our lives when once I was teaching this to kids and they got, they understood every point and they were able to apply it to their lives. Yeah, you know what, this girl, she did this and she took my mom. Like they could apply it to their lives that that's how practical it is and yeah. it's something that we really need to. Yeah. It's not a theory yes. out there, right? It's not a theory that this is a hypocrite and we're not hypocrites though, but these yeah. are signs and examples for us to reflect yes. upon. It's very relevant. If you said that yes, you will say salam, you will pass it on and you also remember to do it, and still you don't do it, then that is a problem. But if let's say you said that, yes, I will pass on the salam, inshallah, and then you you meet the person and you don't remember, it completely slips your mind. Then you're not, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not hold people accountable for what they forget. رَبَّنَا لَا تُؤَخِذْنَا إِنْ نَسِينَا So for nisyan, we're not held accountable. But if you remember and you still don't convey, that is a problem. I was thinking the the promise and the and the oath we take at the time of uh, citizenship. We pledge allegiance to this country. We say that we are now Canadian citizens, so that we will do all the good that I don't remember the exact words for Canada. So what happens to that? Like uh, we have to then keep that as well. You see, because yeah, promises are also with non-Muslims. Okay, as long as it does not contradict your deen, as long as it does not contradict your deen, because we know that deen comes first. You have to fulfill your promises and your commitments even with non-Muslims. You can't say that, oh, we're living in a non-Muslim government. Who cares about traffic laws and who cares about this law and that law? No. You said you were going to follow the laws. You made a promise. So you have to follow the laws. Let's continue. Bab qiyamu laylatul qadri min al-iman. Performing the prayer on the night of power is a part of iman. Qiyamu. What does qiyam mean? Standing in prayer. When? Laylatul Qadri in the night of Al Qadr. It is min al iman. It is a part of iman. Meaning, if a person does that, then it is a sign of his iman. So, after mentioning what are the signs of nifaq, now Imam Bukhari mentions the signs of 
iman the characteristics of a believer حدثنا ابو اليمان قال اخبرنا شعيب قال حدثنا ابو الزناد عن الاعرج عن ابي هريره قال قال رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم من whoever يقوم he stands meaning he stands in prayer when laylat al-qadr the night of power how imanan with iman wa and ihtisaban expecting reward then ghufira it will be forgiven lahu for him what will be forgiven for him ma that which taqaddama he sent ahead min zambihi of his sins meaning whatever sins he has committed in the past whatever sins that he has committed in the past that he has already sent ahead they will be forgiven for who the one who stands in prayer in the night of power but how does he stand in prayer with iman and with ihtisab So imanan this is an evidence that when a person performs Laylatul Qadr he is doing it with iman okay this is a sign of iman now the night of power Laylatul Qadr has it been specified for us no it hasn't been specified but we have been informed that it is one of the last 10 odd nights of the month of Ramadan and a person can only reach there a person can only get there a person can only perform qiyam in Laylatul Qadr when he will perform qiyam in all of the nights of the month of ramadan then you can't miss it isn't it so if you say okay i will just you know pray on the 27th or on the 25th where well it might have been the 23rd and you have missed it but if you're performing every single night then there's no doubt whatsoever you've got it then so a person who will pray in the month of ramadan he will also find the opportunity to pray when in laylatul qadr and when he will do that that is definitely a sign of iman but notice how two things have been mentioned over here imanan with iman meaning out of iman with sincerity not with riya and secondly ihtisaban ihtisab literally means calculation ihtisab what does it mean to calculate so he performs his actions how calculating them in the sense that he's making sure he's doing everything right so for example he performs wudu for example at home and he doesn't just do wudu you know roughly but asbagal wudu meaning he does it properly right in the best way and then he goes to the masjid and he performs tahiyatul wudu tahiyatul masjid whatever and then he prays the qiyam properly so ihtisaban when he does all of this what is he expecting what does he want what is he looking forward to reward expecting reward because another person could also pray qiyam but how to standing there waiting for it to end but another person is standing there expecting reward looking forward for the reward this is why his actions will be different isn't it so his khushur will be different so the one who prays hoping for reward expecting reward which is why he does his actions properly as well that person will reap the fruit and what is that that he will be forgiven for all of his past sins ghufira lahu ma taqaddama min zambihi this is something great Scholars have said that غفر الله ما تقدم من ذنبه ما. Some scholars have said this includes all sins, whether major or minor. Other scholars have said that no, this includes only the minor sins because from other texts of the Quran we learn that good deeds erase bad deeds when person abstains from the major sins. The Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم said the five daily prayers, Jumu'ah to Jumu'ah, Ramadan to Ramadan. What are they? Mukaffirat, ones that expiate what is between them, as long as the kabair are. avoided but other scholars have said that no this means all sins 
Allahu a'lam, whichever one you believe in or it makes more sense to you. But we see that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's mercy, His forgiveness is vast, especially in the month of Ramadan. That we see if a person is just, the word iman is very relevant over here. If a person is not praying throughout the month of Ramadan, he will not have this feeling of iman and ihtisab on Laylatul Qadr even. And if a person, you know, just waits for the last ten nights and the odd nights and then he only does it then, he won't have the same feeling. That when you pray with ihtisab, then the prayer does not become a burden. Because it is seen that people may be even present at the masjid. Isn't it so? For hours and hours. But they don't take advantage of that chance, of that time. People may even be at the haram, at the most blessed place. But still, they may not gain the benefit. Why? Because iman and ihtisaban are missing. Sometimes uh, people, they only um, do good, only Ramadan. After Ramadan, they go back. Yes. But subhanAllah, if you continue, if you stand in hope in Allah and all that, inshallah, yes. you change yourself. With iman and with ihtisab, the effect is long-lasting of this qiyam. Which one of you has fasted today? And uh, only Abu Bakr Siddiq said, I have. And then he said, which one of you has uh, followed a barrier, like, you know, went to janazah? And he said, I have. And then uh, he said, which one of you has, um, pay, like, fed a needy? And uh, I, I know there was one more action. Okay. SubhanAllah. So basically, uh, Abu Bakr Siddiq said yes. But, and then he said that whoever has uh, combined these qualities in him has attained Jannah. But the point of the this hadith was he asked randomly on any specific day. Like it wasn't like he told the person, oh, tomorrow you guys can do all these four deeds. And then, you know, if you do it, you'll go to Jannah. The, uh, Abu Bakr Siddiq was already doing them. Like without knowing that the Prophet ﷺ is going to say that these qualities, you know, will enable. So the like if inshallah, if we pray regularly, we fast regularly, the nawafil, we are looking forward to doing any opportunities that will, uh, you know, help us attain Jannah, then that shows that, you know, you're at that level that you want to do extra and not just the minimal. And uh, and, I and think then it becomes a habit. Exactly. Right? And that's then, why I guess randomly. Then good deeds you know. are not done just by chance, but they're already part of your schedule, a part of your routine. So is that possible that he can do it in the other nights of the uh, Ramadan if he is use his habitual of doing outside the Ramadan as well. Yeah. And while we are doing all this, uh, I was just thinking how we heard about the, learned about the good uh, parts of the Iman, and then about the Haya, and then about the Nifaq. So when you stand in the Qiyam, in front of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you feel shy doing all these bad things, what we just heard, learned mm-hmm. today. You feel shy doing, being, you know, telling lie, being, you know, curling and arguing with others, you, you feel haya yeah, about Because that. good so, deeds become a shield for you then. They protect you, prevent you from doing wrong. Once a year. And of course, we obviously want to attain it, but you can get a little part of it every single night because Allah asks every single third of the night to anyone seeking uh, my forgiveness. Yes. So you can get a little part of it every single day too. Very true. The Sahabas used to do this, prepare for Ramadan six months before the Ramadan came. They looked forward to the Ramadan coming before that time. Already preparing their mindset for Ramadan, looking forward to the Ramadan coming. Yeah. When Ramadan is to end, they were heart sore and yes. sad about it. And we should also prepare yes. from now. There are less than 100 days left for the month of Ramadan to begin. Let's continue. Bab al-jihadu min al-iman. Al-jihadu. Jihad. It is min al-iman. It is also a part of iman. It is a sign of iman. A sign of a believer. حدثنا حرمي بن حفص قال حدثنا عبد الواحد قال حدثنا عمارة قال حدثنا أبو زرعة بن عمرو بن جرير 
قال سمعت ابا هريره عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال انتدب الله انتدب he took responsibility he has taken responsibility he has guaranteed who allah has for who liman for the one who kharaja fi sabilihi who goes out in his way meaning he goes out for jihad in the way of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and why does he go out la yukhrijuhu nothing brings him out nothing takes him out from his house illa except imanun bi belief in me and who does me refer to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam is mentioning intadab allah and then there is a switch okay that he is saying it from the side of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so illa imanun bi wa tasdiqun bi rusuli and affirming the truthfulness of my messengers so in other words what has caused him to go out in the way of allah iman in allah and belief in the messengers as well so allah has taken responsibility he has guaranteed what that an that so you see this an this is connected with what intadaballahu so an that urji'ahu i return him meaning i send him back home with what bima with that which nala he attained min ajrin of reward aw ghanimatin or booty so allah has promised he has taken responsibility that this man will go back home how either with reward or with booty aw or udkhilahu aljanna that i will admit him into paradise and now the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said walaula and if not an that ashqa i make difficult i impose burden remember Musa alayhisalam's father-in-law he said that wama uridu an ashqa alayk so ashqa i make difficult so walaula an ashqa ala ummati on my ummah meaning were it not for this fear that i would make it difficult for my ummah ma qa'adtu i would not sit meaning i would not remain khalfa behind sariyatin any sariyah the prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam said if it was not out of fear that it would become difficult for my nation i would have not stayed behind from any sariyah what is sariyah those expeditions in which the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam did not participate himself ghazwa is which one the one that he participated in and sariyah is the one that he did not participate in so he's saying over here that were it not difficult for my ummah i would not have stayed behind from any sariyah wala waditu and surely i would have loved that anni uqtalu fi sabilillah that indeed i am killed in the way of allah thumma uhya and then i am given life again thumma uqtalu thumma uhya and then i am killed and then again i am given life and then thumma uqtalu meaning i would have loved to do this again and again and again so a person who does this meaning goes out in the way of allah then this is a sign of what iman this is a part of iman because in this hadith what do we learn that la yukhrijuhu illa imanun bi wa tasdiqun bi rusuli this is the relevance of this hadith over here in this context now if you look at this hadith from the beginning intadaba intadaballahu what does it mean by intadaba to take responsibility it gives a sense of takaffala wamina so allah has taken responsibility he has guaranteed he has promised great reward for the one who goes out Why does he go out only because of his iman? Hmm? And what is it that Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala has promised him? First of all, that either he will return with reward. What does it mean by this? 
then he will come back home safe but he will come back home with what reward that would be in which case he is not coming back with any booty he is only coming back with reward that would be in which case so in the case where the battle was either non conclusive so neither of the parties won or even if the muslims you know they suffered defeat so he didn't come back home with any gain or for example he did not have any right in the booty he did not have any right in the booty for whatever reason because remember at one of the occasions the fate was only given to certain muslims and not others so he comes back home with what with reward even if he comes back home empty handed in the physical sense he comes back home with what reward for having participated or for example the muslims went for tabuk did they come back with any booty no did they come back with any victory no but what did they come back with reward secondly booty in the case where the muslims are victorious thirdly that or perhaps he dies and if he dies then what's the reward that allah will admit him into jannah because the one who dies in the way of allah what does allah say wala taqulu liman yuqtalu fi sabil allah amwat bal ahya'un walakin la tash'urun at another place we learn inda rabbihim yurzaqun so in other words it's a win win situation isn't it a person cannot suffer in this way but when is this great reward guaranteed when when a person goes out in the way of allah with iman and what does it mean by going out in the way of allah with iman from another hadith we learned that man qatala litakuna kalimata allah hiya al-uliya fa huwa fi sabilillah the one who fight for what so that the word of allah is the greatest that person is in the way of allah so he's not fighting to just you know satisfy his anger or to just take revenge merely nor is he fighting to show off to to be seen as someone who is very confident someone very brave no he is participating in this why to exalt the name of allah so this person has gone out in the way of allah with iman and this reward is guaranteed for him now we also learn in this hadith that the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam said that was it if it was not difficult for my ummah i would have participated in every battle because if the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam participated in every single battle every single expedition then what would happen all the believers would be required to do the same whereas we see that it is not practical for every person to do that nor is it practical at every opportunity to do this for example one person could have a disability another person it's not his strength isn't it so one person his strength is more on the academic side learning and teaching and not physically doing stuff you understand similarly every opportunity is not such that every single person is required you may have some urgent concern which is making you stay behind like for example usman radhiyallahu anhu he could not participate in badr why his wife was dying So but if the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam's way was such that he went out for every single expedition then what would be the responsibility the obligation of every other believer that they have to go every expedition as well what does this show that how much the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam cared for the ummah not just the sahaba at that time but also the muslims who would come afterwards an nabiyyu awla bil mu'minina min anfusihim This is how much he cared for us. This is how much he was concerned for us. Which is why there were many things that he liked to do, but still he did not do, he did not say, he did not command. Why? Because it would become difficult for us. For example, miswak. It was something that the Prophet ﷺ loved to do. Isn't it so? That even 
when he was dying, close to his death, he saw a miswak and he showed from his expressions, Aisha radiallahu knew that he wanted it. And the Prophet ﷺ said that were it not hard for my ummah, I would have commanded them to do siwak before every salah. But he did not do so. Isn't it? Similarly, the Prophet ﷺ was traveling once. And he learned after Salatul Asr that people were finding it very difficult to keep their fast because they were fasting as well at that time. So he broke his fast. Now imagine after Salatul Asr, how much time do you have left until Maghrib? Not much time. But because people were finding it difficult, this is why he broke the fast. This is how much he cared for the ummah. So when he had so much care and concern for us, then what does it mean? We love him and we respect him and we also care for him more than other people. Just think about it. He cared for us that it might become difficult for us. This is why he didn't give certain instructions. He refrained from certain actions, even though he loved to do them. So should we not love him as well? Should we not care for him as well? If he cared for us that he did not want to impose a difficulty on us, then how can we just sit back while other people are humiliating him, insulting him, talking negatively about him, criticizing his statements? We can't do that. It would be unfair. It would be ingratitude if we ever did that. And there are many other examples from the sunnah. We learn that how the Prophet ﷺ didn't do certain things, although he wanted to do them for our sake. We'll just do the following too. This is mainly reading. باب تطوع قيام رمضان من الإيمان تطوع What does تطوع mean? Voluntary good deeds So voluntarily performing قيام in the month of Ramadan is also what? A part of Iman This is also a sign of Iman حدثنا إسماعيل قال حدثني مالك عن ابن شهاب عن حميد بن عبد الرحمن عن أبي هريرة أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال من قام رمضان إيمانا واحتسابا غفر له ما تقدم من زنبه is the same hadith being repeated over here? In meaning, yes. But in wording, no. What was in the previous one? What was the wording? Yaqum. Isn't it? And over here we see qama. Similarly, the chain is also different. But what do we learn in this hadith? That performing qiyam in the month of Ramadan is a voluntary good deed. It's not an obligation. Performing taraweeh salah is not an obligation. It is voluntary. However, it is a sign of iman. It is an action of iman. It is an expression of love for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Bab Sawmu Ramadana Ihtisaban Minal Iman. Sawmu Ramadan. Fasting in the month of Ramadan. How? Ihtisaban. Hoping for reward. Expecting reward. This is also a part of Iman. Haddathana ibn Salamin. Kala akbarana Muhammad ibn Fudailin. Kala haddathana Yahya ibn Sa'idin. An abi salamata. An abi hurayrata. Kala kala rasulullahi sallallahu alayhi wa salama. Man sama Ramadana. Whoever fasts in the month of Ramadan. How? Imanan with Iman. Wahtisaban. And also with ihtisab. Ghufira lahu. It will be forgiven for him. Ma taqaddama min zambihi. Whatever he did of his previous sins. Whatever he sent ahead of his sins. So earlier we learned that Qiyam in the month of Ramadan brings his benefit of forgiveness of all sins. And over here we learn fasting in the month of Ramadan also does the same, brings the same benefit. So at the beginning we learned about the foundations of faith, the five pillars of Islam. Isn't it so? This is the detail. This is the explanation. That yes, fasting is a requirement. That, but how should a person fast? Imanan wahtisaban. Praying is also what? A pillar. But how should a person pray? Imanan and also ihtisaban. 
Alright. Subhanakallahum wa bihamdika. Nashadu wa la ilaha illa anta. Nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilayk. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.